0: Absolutely. It depends on the uh, C.O.R. of the flagstick, so the Co-Vision Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to.
1: Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and on today's show, we have Open Championship winning caddy, 2017 LPGA Caddy of the Year, Mr. Pete Godfrey, or as my children like to refer to him as Mr. Pete. Pete, what's a good word?
0: Hey, how you doing, Dan? How how you holding up?
1: Uh, Doing pretty good. You know, really uh, no complaints. Um, Happy to to talk to you. I know uh, your your wife plays golf, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. She's been known to in the past. Yeah, that's
1: that's cool. But, you know, I want to talk to you instead. So that's that's nice for her, you know, that she can get around the course every now and again. But I want to focus on kind of you, your journey to the LPGA and, you know, where you kind of see yourself in, in who knows now, three months, four months, five months from now with everything that's been going on. Do you have any insight? Uh, has the LPGA contacted you at all? Um, has your player contacted you at all as to as to what might be going on in the future? Does anybody know?
0: Um, I mean, the, the LPGA has been great. Um, as far as being in contact, um, Mike one is doing an absolute killer job in, uh, in keeping everybody informed. Um, apparently he's got schedules for every eventuality whenever we can come out of this lockdown and it's safe to, to get going again. They've, they've got, they've got schedules in place that will fit with that. And, um, And it sounds like they're, you know, a lot of the tournaments are being very accommodating and like rescheduling and kind of, we could really keep, if we got going uh, any month, it it sounds like we could be going up until just shy of Christmas right now.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Did they, did they mention anything at all about this kind of rolling over into the 2021 season as well and and making it one season? Or are they just going to try to keep this as, as, you know, close to normal as they can?
0: Yeah, yeah normal is such an interesting word right now. Um, I I mean, I don't think that they've got any plans to try and roll it over. I mean, it's just such a it's such a fluid situation right now with, with what's going on. It's, you know, obviously golf is everybody's livelihood that, that, that kind of works with the LPGA, but it, it kind of seems like it's taken a little bit of a backseat, and, and rightly so right now.
1: And speaking of everyone's livelihood, and I don't want to touch too much on it, but you happen to be married to an LPGA player. Um, has she been driving you nuts lately?
0: Um, I wouldn't say any more than normal.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> so a, a pretty fair amount then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's running at about 75% as a standard. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Good. Um, so listen, so, so, so how does someone coming uh, from England, from the UK end up caddying on the LPGA tour? Because, You know, to me, caddies have some of the most interesting stories. Like, a pro's story usually goes like this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Played golf from a young age, was very good at it, went to college, turned pro, play on the tour. Right? That's kind of like every single professional's road to either the LPGA, PGA, Corn Ferry Tour, or whatever it is. But the caddies have such kind of interesting backstories. So why don't you give our listeners a little insight as to... Kind of you growing up over in the UK and 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 how you made it over here to uh you know Atlanta and and caddying on the LPGA tour.
0: Yeah, I mean um it's uh yeah, just a, a you know you, you kind of trip into things as you kind of go through through life, and that was that was kind of my story into caddying really. I, I grew up like, kind of like everybody else; it starts as a youngster playing golf. My dad was a golf nut, and he'd kind of take me to get me out of the house as far as I, as far as I understand, just to get me out from under my mum's feet. Um, so I grew up hitting balls and I'd spend like all my summer holidays at the golf course, you know, playing, they'd drop me off in the morning and I play until dark and you hang out with your buddies playing golf and messing around. And, um, then at about 12, I think there's, there's a pretty prominent golf course in the UK called Wentworth, which holds what's now the BMW championship. Um, it's like the biggest event on the European tour. And, uh, club professional at the time is a guy called bernard gallagher who he's uh cup captain played on the tour for years um and he devised a scheme to to give out golf scholarships to kids that wouldn't otherwise be there um in order to try and kind of bring up the junior program um and a friend of mine had heard about this and and we decided to go and, and check it out and they had the the range full of kids basically hitting balls and the pros were kind of taking a look at them and, and seeing you know which ones they thought showed any kind of promise and, and luckily enough for me and and actually two of my friends that were there we were we were the three selected that year um, and uh, it's fantastic it's a fantastic initiative put together by the members they they donate uh, ten pounds every year on top of their membership fees and it goes into a slush fund to fund these juniors and their development, basically membership, lessons, range balls. Um, So I had that until the age of 18. Um, Real good group of guys I I played with. Um, And they were basically just trying to develop good young juniors that would represent the club. Um, So uh, at 18, um, your scholarship ends. But there was, I think it was four or five of us at the time that were lucky enough that we were showing enough promise that they kept us on for an extra three years.
1: And now, when when you're when you're talking about promise, is is that competing in local tournaments? Your handicap dropping? How do they kind of ascertain that?
0: Yeah, um, obviously, hand, handicap is obviously the, the benchmark for for any kind of golfer, really. Um, so checking that, um, seeing how you're doing in local tournaments, um, you know, kind of representing the club the way that they want it represented. Um, And yeah, there was four, I think it was four of us at the time that got, that got kept on. Um, And probably the most successful exponent of it so far is um, Ross Fisher. who went on to play Ryder Cups is still playing on the European tour. Um, But yeah, they've had a lot of success out of it and they're starting to get some more players come through now. Uh, Stephen Brown, who's on the European tour. He won for the first time last year, I think. He wasn't actually on the scholarship, but he was—he was in that group. Um, there's a girl on the ladies' European tour called Annabel Dimmock, who—who came up behind us. She was she was out of the same thing, so they've really started to get some success out of it now.
1: All right. So after that, after they kind of let you have that additional year, what comes next?
0: Um, next was was really the decision of of what I wanted to do with my golf in as far as did I want to kind of keep playing as an amateur? Did I want to turn pro? Um, I'd already made the decision at that point that I wasn't going to, well, wasn't going to look at colleges in the States. Um, only because I'd, I'd had that extra two years, uh, kind of given to me in the UK already. Um, so, um, I decided that at that point I was going to turn pro, um, and start playing in some mini tour events. Um, and, not long it was not more than a couple of months after um after that happened i was coming home from from dropping my dad off somewhere and uh coming around a kind of tight bend and and meet a car on the wrong side of the road who didn't know the road and had a head-on collision so um ended up with some i I ended up breaking my collarbone i damaged a couple of things in my back damaged some cartilage in my ribs and it was just a big old mess trying to trying to get it figured out um so I, i started playing again uh a while after that, after I did all my recovery and, and it became apparent that um, I just kept picking up injuries um, and it wasn't going to work. So uh, at that point, I was just trying to find something else to do. Um, and luckily enough, I had a couple of friends who, who were playing um, and said, well, why don't you come caddy while you, while you figure out what you want to do? Um, so that was the story of me getting into caddy.
1: It always seems to me when I talk to the caddies that that so many of them have a really, really good playing background. I think the days are gone of, you know, picking someone off the street and having them just carry a bag on their back for 18 holes. You know, a caddy is really a partner out there. It's somebody that has experienced what these women or what these men have gone through. And I feel like that gives you kind of a, a leg up on the competition. So you're caddying in and around London at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, I had, I had a friend of mine who, who who did some stuff on some of the mini tours. I caddied for him. Uh, I had another friend of mine um, who actually got a senior tour card in Europe. So um, I went out with him and kind of started doing the traveling thing. And, and we, we, we worked the events that that he played in. Um, and then it was at that point that I decided, you know what, actually, this is, this is something that I'd kind of like to pursue, I think.
1: Yeah. Because there's, there's no wrong or right way to get into caddying, right? There's no caddy school. There's, there, there's, there's only kind of word of mouth and you know, your reputation speaks for itself. So obviously you had, you know, encountered a good reputation around Europe how does one make that adjustment over to the big time in the States to the LPGA? I mean, to the point where you pick up and, and move to the States.
0: Um, really I was, I was working at the time I was working on the ladies European tour. Um, and I had a, I had a week where they were playing a team tournament and, uh, my player wasn't in and a friend of mine, um, who was working for, uh, one of the girls that was going to be playing that week said, "Hey, the, the uh, her teammate needs somebody. Would you would you do it for the week?" So I thought, "Yeah, you know, it's a week's work. And that sounds good." So, um, worked for her for the for the week. And at the end of the week, she said, "Look, um, I kind of like the way you do things, and and I'm I'm playing in the on the LPGA right now. Um, would you like to come to America and 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 try it out there?" I said, "Yeah, sure. You know, am at that point. I think I was 20." Uh, twenty four twenty five I mean you know I had no, no ties at home. I was like, yeah, sure I'll, I'll go to the states. it sounds, sounds like fun.
1: Had you been over to the states at all before that, or was that the first time
0: <laughs> um, I, I'd done the usual the usual kind of Brits to the states thing, which is like Orlando, Disneyland <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I really hadn't seen anything of America um, out, outside of that.
1: So once once you get to the LPGA, um, w- where are you staying? Are you are you living out of hotels at that point? Do you have a home base? Are you staying with anybody?
0: No, staying in staying in hotels. Um, so it was kind of like a, a work. It was like a work vacation thing. So I'd I'd work my weeks, and then if we had a week off, instead of going back home, there'd be a, a couple of us that'd find something to do. We'd go see somewhere, or you know, kind of work our way to the next bit. So it would, it, I was kind of like a kind of like a, you know, traveling, traveling man there for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Like a little bit of a vagabond. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) So what's, what's the biggest, I guess, cultural difference from coming over from the UK to, to basically living and ingratiating yourself in the U S.
0: Cultural difference at first. Definitely. um, Definitely part of it was the language. Um, And that sounds silly because I know we both speak English, but, that you'll say something um especially like you go into say like a like a fast food place i'll have a burger and chips and they look at you because they don't do chips they do fries
1: right they don't so understand the same you thing. both look
0: at each other kind of weird or like you know asking someone where a rubbish bin is well they they don't know because it's a trash can <laughs> <laughs> Just... <laughs> so you have to kind of you have to kind of deal with that um and i'd say the other thing is especially coming from the uk like you have no idea how big America is as a country.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got so many different geographic regions of the U.S. which look nothing like each other. Like, if you were to tell somebody that lives in Maine, um, you know, about the Grand Canyon or like, you know, uh, Bryce Canyon National Park in, in the southwest, like it would blow their mind. And then you tell them that, you know, there's swamps with alligators in the southeast, and then there's, you know, 1,000-foot mountains up in Washington. Um, the topography of the U.K. is is basically kind of in and of itself the same with little variances. Um, you coming over to the U.S., what, what geographically kind of shocked you the most? What was the biggest difference from growing up?
0: Um, I would have said, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of open countryside in the UK. I mean, we've got some mountains, you know, it, there's a lot of greenery, but it's very tight as far as a country, like the cities are very tight, you know, and there's not a lot of space between them. And I remember the first time driving, um, I think we finished up, uh, Nabisco at the time, what's now A and driving from there up to Las Vegas, um, like through the desert and just not seeing anything for hours. And you just, you don't do that in the UK. Yeah. It's
1: uh, that's, that's a wild part of the country out there. And I, th- I think you're right. I mean, you, you've got the experience of, of having your eyes open to so much of the world as as a caddy, because you get to see so much. Um, do you prefer air travel or do you prefer driving to tournaments?
0: Um, you know what? I've, I've done so much air travel that I really like jumping in the car. Like when we did the California swing at the start of the year there and you jump in the car, I love that. Um, And I can see how if that was all you'd done, it would become a bit of a drag and you want to fly somewhere. But um, I I like to try and balance the two.
1: Yeah, I got you. Do you you have any uh, flying mishaps along the way from all the years out caddying?
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, I've probably got them all, I would think. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think. Uh, missing missing flights, um, one. I mean, everybody does that. Um, uh, booking the wrong airport is a good one. Um, I've done that before. Um, wrong days. Um, I think the best one that I did actually was was while I was still in Europe, um, finding a cheap flight. Um, we were going from the British Open to the Irish Open. And I found this cheap flight on the budget airline, perfect. Got it all sorted, put it all in, get the email through and I've booked it completely backwards <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, and there's no refund's no anything you just you, you might as well just put it in the put it in the bin, set it on fire
1: <laughs> um you know people don't realize how much airfare costs i mean i okay, let me refresh that. people understand how much a single ticket costs, right because there's people that might travel for a vacation or whatnot, but if you had to estimate what what do you spend in a year traveling to and from tournaments
0: wow um on airfare or just all over
1: all over you know because one one of the biggest oh. misconceptions right with people and they they ask me all the time like oh you have friends that are caddies like you know the that's all paid for right i'm like well yeah it's paid for by them
0: <laughs> yeah i mean obviously it, it all depends on how you on how you structure it with your boss i mean um a lot of guys are lucky on the LPGA where, like, their international affairs are, are covered. Um, but in the U.S., you're, you're on your own. I mean, I would say – I mean, I don't think I'd be – I don't think I'd be short saying I spend 25000 a year. Mate, could be more.
1: Right. And, that, and, like, you know, to me, that's an astronomical number, you know?
0: Yeah. When, yeah. When, you,
1: when you hear that. But then you realize how many weeks of the year that you're traveling, and, and it kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah you try not to add it up because if you looked at that you'd you'd be like there's there's no way I'm I'm doing that but uh, you know what the the girls do it every year you know they spend infinitely right. more than we do
1: Yeah that's yeah that's the truth Hey listen you mentioned the the contracts and stuff and one thing I've always been interested in and I don't know why I've never asked is there an actual written contract between a player and a caddy or you know how how does that work are they going just based off of hey this week i'm going to give you 7% flat rate and i'll give you 10 if we win or an extra grant like how does that all work and you'd, obviously you obviously don't have to mention individual names and stuff but is it an actual like legal document is it just word of mouth handshake
0: um i mean in the past for sure it was all it was all kind of handshake deals and and you know uh, for for most people now it still is i mean with the business side of it now with managers and and you know agents and you know a lot more people within the team um i think a lot of guys once they've done their verbal agreement handshake deal now they'll they'll get something written down and and both parties have it just so you know just so there's no confusion or you know just just to keep everybody in the clear um but
1: it's and i'm I'm sure I was just going to say, I'm sure it takes a load off of your mind too, having it written down and knowing that I can focus completely on my job at hand and not have to worry about the monetary side.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, Touchwood, I've been lucky. The, the players that I've worked with have been great. You know, there's never been any issues with with not being paid, or I mean, I've I've heard the horror stories in the past, and and thankfully they're kind of few and far between. But um, but yeah, it's never anything that's ever worried me. Um, you know, you you kind of you know i i guess the players kind of take it on merit that you're going to do the, your best job for them and and kind of you you take it back that they're going to look after you as best they can and and i've been very fortunate that that's been the case during my career so far
1: yeah and the LPGA is a very small knit close knit tour and, and and everything kind of spreads word of mouth you know there's no there's no secrets out there because within 18 holes everyone's going to find out uh everything anyway and you've been, I, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's lucky or how you would want to say it, but you've played, you've, you've caddied for a lot of players over the years. I want to just go down the list real quick and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but Dewey Shreifel, uh, Moria Jatanagarn, Arya Jatanagarn, who you won the 2016 Open Championship with. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, he Young Park. Hannah Jang, it was the 2017 Australian Open, Lydia Ko, Carrie Webb, Jessica Corder, and Julie Ingster. So you literally run the gamut from world number ones, major champions, Hall of Famers. You know, obviously, word of mouth out there, word in the street is that Pete does a a great job. But with that being said, does it ever bother you at times that, you know— Kind of the caddy mindset is you're only as good as your last week.
0: Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd say uh, you have your you have your success. Um, obviously, the top part of that is is winning. If you win, then that's that's as that's, that's. But you know, success. I, don't know, I I kind of view success every week as if if you've improved on something this week that you that you didn't do as well last week that's you know that's success it's not it's not the all-end success of winning but you know if, if you do that if you do the kind of small things then over time they're going to add up to, to something big
1: yeah no i mean that makes perfect sense you know the i guess one of the only catty truths out there is that over the course of your career you'll eventually be fired by somebody right is that kind of fair to say
0: um Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I, I couldn't tell you anybody that I know that hasn't been fired. And if somebody did tell me, I'd say you haven't been doing it very long or you're lying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I have a buddy, my buddy Mike Caddy's on the Corn Ferry Tour. And I've asked him at times, like, how do you deal with it? And he gives me this reply and he's like, dude, there's been weeks that I've missed a cut with a player eight weeks in a row and I still have a job. And then there's weeks where a guy will go two top tens and I'm fired in week three. He says, "I like I have no rhyme or reason, and I don't even try to understand it anymore. How how do you how do you deal with that?"
0: Um, you just gotta you just gotta kind of let it run off your back. I mean, you know, if you if you if you focus on on what's not going well, you're you're, you're going to lead yourself down a bad path. I mean, you know, if you're if you're out there and you have a job, and you're not getting fired that much, you're you're doing something right. And if it works out that, that, that with the person that you're with, it, it hasn't quite worked the way that you both thought it was going to, you know, they're, they're, they're well within their right to say, Hey, I'm going to try something different, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, it's, I'd, I'd say as a caddy, um, working for these players, it's a, it's a relationship that you spend, a, you know, you spend a lot of time together. So, um, you know you're gonna you're gonna get on each other's nerves at times and you're gonna you know you're gonna get on great at times and and it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a a relationship you know Uh, and sometimes they don't work and you have to kind of look for something different
1: does it ever feel like an actual breakup like you're losing a friend at times you know when when that occurs
0: uh no i mean i've never had any I don't think I've ever had any really bad breakups where I wouldn't be talking with the person that I'm, you know, that I, that I used to work for. Um, So, you know, I mean, I've never seen, I haven't really, I really haven't seen in in the years I've been caddying too many really bad bust ups where people are like, right, that's it done. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's just, it's just a game, you know, and it's, and it's, you know, you'll, you'll get another job. As long as you're good at what you do, you'll get another job, and they'll find another caddy, and it'll carry on.
1: Right, and then everything just kind of starts over again. Yeah. Um, Hey, so, you know, I don't know anybody that has won an Open Championship, and and if you subscribe to kind of like the Stevie Williams mindset, like, you're an Open Champion right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, (laughs) I I, I caddied for an Open Champion. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Tell, tell, me, tell me what that was like. So, so 2016 Open Championship, correct?
0: 2016, yeah. Yep, um,
1: with, with Moria, uh, uh, sorry, Aria uh, yeah. Jutana Garn. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously a, a world number one player, uh, literally the pinnacle of women's golf in the world. Did, did that, I, I, you know, I'd love you for you to share some stories about that week because I think it's, a, it's an astronomical accomplishment on, on both parts, yours and hers. But the first question I have about that is, did that week seem any different than, than any other week on tour? Um, did you notice anything at the beginning of the week? Like, was there any inclination that, you know, I'm on the verge of hoisting up the, the flag on the 18th hole, or the 72nd hole, I should say, at the Open Championship?
0: Um, so, uh, the week, well, actually, the, the whole thing was really interesting. So, um, we'd only actually started working together the week before um and uh that was at a team event, the international Crown in Chicago, so that was the first time that we'd worked together um obviously i i 'd seen i 'd seen her play before in some practice rounds because i 'd previously worked for a system mode um so uh we played the team event in chicago um got on well um you know decided to decided to make it a make it a deal um and then that <laughs> And then on that Sunday night, the biggest thunderstorm I've ever seen came into Chicago and there was 10 plus of us, not including her, that were on this plane that got taxiing in Chicago. And they finally said, sorry, guys, we can't do it. We're going to have to turn it around and call it a night. So, so the week started with me not actually making my flight across to, to London <laughs> while, while she's in the air making it there. So, <laughs> so I've already whiffed the first day's work. Um, so I called her up and, and said, look, I'm really sorry, but, but I'm not going to be able to make it uh, until Tuesday morning. Um, so, And the way that the, the women's British works is they have the pro-am on the Tuesday. So I was landing at London, I think, 6.30 in the morning. And she had a, uh, it was something like a 8.30 tea time for the Pro-Am. So, so I called my dad up. My dad, God love him, lives 20 minutes from, from the airport that I was landing at. And the golf course is probably an hour. So I said, listen, I'm going to land Tuesday morning with my hair on fire. I need you to drive me up there. Um, <laughs> I called up Moe's caddy who I, I can't thank him enough because he's supposed to be sleeping in on the Tuesday, not doing much. So he gets up and starts caddying in the pro-am for, for Aria. And I said, look, I'll get there as quick as I can. But if you could just do the first couple of holes, that'd be great. So uh, I, I caught them on, I think, about the third hole. Um, they, they were laughing at me because obviously I, I must have looked like I'd run a marathon to get there. Um, but that was how the week started. So, <laughs> so it wasn't all plain sailing.
1: Yeah, there's there's probably definitely no mindset that hey we're gonna go out and set the world on fire after that start.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? That that's the kind of thing that can rattle you, or you just kind of let it go. That's that's the perils of of travel. Um, but no, she was she was really relaxed. I guess the course kind of set up for her. Um, it played. It played, you know, relatively tight. It was kind of bouncy. You know, she really likes that, the, the two iron that she's got. It was perfect for kind of hitting tee shots out there that really got running. Um, and she just, I don't know, she seemed really comfortable. Hard for me to say second week in the job, but, but she seemed really comfortable with, with the course. And, and she was in a really good spot with her game at that point, too.
1: Now, how far away from where you grew up was the course at?
0: i'd say about an hour maybe 45 okay. minutes to an hour north so i i'd been round it before but it had been a long time
1: okay yeah that's what i was kind of getting at is that a course that you had played at before had you caddied there i mean you you, you have to have some sort of familiarity with with the area at least
0: yeah i mean i, I i've been I, I played the course a couple of times before but but it had been a long time um i'd I'd actually that's a big complex woven it's it's got three golf courses there um and i'd actually worked a tour event on one of the other golf courses there um but never never on that one so i I, kind of knew it but but not really
1: now with a week like that you know you get you get towards the final round um is there any more pressure on you um, or is it one of those things where you just go out and, and you say, you know what, it's another round. I'm going to do the same job I always do. I'm not going to switch anything up and we're just going to see what happens.
0: Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I'd had one win before that, um, on the, with but, but going into that round, um, I was definitely, I woke up that morning and I was definitely more hyped than, than normal. Um, so I kind of, got out there and looked at some holes and kind of, you know, get yourself settled down a little bit here because um, she doesn't need to see you, (laughs) you know, super pumped up before like an hour before she goes off. Um, So just try and get yourself into the right mindset. I mean, we weren't, I can't tell you for sure where we were, but we weren't, I don't think we were in the lead or if we were, we were tied for the lead. So it wasn't like we were going out trying to protect a, a, you know, like a, A big lead to try and win this thing we we, we were going out there to kind of try and you know put up a good number and see where it left us
1: now what is what's a normal week like catting for you you know if, if someone had to say hey give me you know give me a snapshot of what your job entails during a normal week on the lpga tour you know you gave us a little insight already we've got you know monday practice rounds and stuff and that's that's one of the weird things too. you alluded to and i shouldn't skip over this but the lpga has pro-ams during major championships uh yes yeah that's Um, that's a quirk i mean that's you know that's that's a big time quirk there because on the pga tour you know there's there's no way in the world the guys would let that fly
0: yeah i i agree um and I mean, I couldn't give you the definite answer on it, but I would probably say that the 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 main answer for why it, it happens is money. Um, for
1: sure, you for know, sure. there's
0: just there's just more money out there on the on the men's tour, and and you know the sponsors the sponsors fund a, a lot of what the girls play for.
1: Yeah, no, that's I mean, the bottom line is I mean that's what makes the world go around. I mean, let's let's admit it. Um, so so, what does a normal week look like for you? You know, let's let's say there was a tour event coming up. You know, after this weekend, starting Monday, what does your week look like and what are your duties during that week?
0: Um, so it, it really depends on on the place that we're going, whether we've been there before um, kind of dictates when my week starts. Um, so uh, Aria that I'm working for now, she likes to get out early, whatever day it is, get her work done and be done. Um, so that she can do whatever it is she needs to do, be it media, gym, whatever. Um, So, although a lot of guys go out on a, on a Monday morning and they'll kind of walk the course and get a good eye for what they're, what they're looking at before their players practice. um, She wants to play early Monday. So if, if we, if there's a place that we haven't been to before, I actually get there Sunday afternoon and and take a look then. um, So that I know where we're going, you know, there's, there's no, there's nothing worse than getting to a golf course. Um, And A, not knowing the course, but B, your boss getting there and going, where's the range? I don't know. Where's the putting green? I don't know. You know, (laughs) you you want those answers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't ingratiate you much to them.
0: Not really. No, (laughs) no, no. no. If you want if you want your boss to be frustrated with you, I don't know is a great answer.
1: So with with all that and and obviously, you know, for as long as you're at the course for there's a lot of downtime what are what are things that you like to do to kind of you know keep your mind off of golf or separate yourself from the course during a tournament week
0: um well you know my wife is obviously a pretty big foodie so food is I've, a heard, lot I, you of know, I've i've
1: i've i've heard that um she is also i want to let you know that i told her i refused to name check her during this so so maybe at the end you can say her name but i refuse to
0: no, I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with that. We, we can keep it that way.
1: Let's do that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So so obviously check out. There's usually one, two plus favorite food spots at any at yeah. any tour stop. Um, but really, just just kind of relax. I mean, you know, like a lot of a lot of weeks where we play, we're lucky in that we we chase the sun a bit. So you know, we we play a lot of hot weeks, and there's a lot of time in the sun, and and kind of you know sweating and and trying to so you you try and kind of you know just relax chill out really i mean we we've kind of we've kind of got into the mode now where we we try and get a big house and get a bunch of guys in there so that there's it's a bit more of a like a like a family feel to it you know you're not just sat on your bed twiddling your thumbs waiting for <laughs> waiting to go back to work
1: you mentioned uh food being one of those things what what tournament your opinion has the best food, whether it's at the tournament itself or in the city or surrounding areas,
0: oh, surrounding areas, I'd say for variety, Portland, Oregon is, is, is pretty good. Um, that, that's one of my favorite weeks on tour. Uh, the golf course is good. The the, 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 city is really good. Um, and some of the restaurants there are absolutely killer. Um, they, I mean, you know what, you, it, we're lucky. You can find good stuff pretty much wherever you go. Um, we, we hit up some, some pretty good spots.
1: Um, are there any, Are there any like, you know, you don't have to name the, the tournament, but are there, are there any podunk towns in the middle of nowhere where you get back to, like, the Airbnb, or you, you're just like, what is there to do here? <laughs>
0: um, no, I would say not really. I mean, I, I would say when I first got out on tour, there might have been one or two, and they've since kind of gone away um but um but no there's there's some really good ones and sometimes the the small town events are the best ones because they get the best support from the locals um um, but obviously the lpga like them like the pga tour like everything they're trying to drive it to bigger markets where there's where there's more money i would say
1: yeah, and you've, you've kind of seen that, haven't you, from your time when you started out there, and then, like you mentioned before, you alluded to Mike Wan taking over and just doing a phenomenal job. I mean, I, I'm assuming, if I get the timelines right, when you first started, the LPGA was somewhere around that 20 to 24 tournament a year mark. Is that correct?
0: I got in a little after that, I would say, but not much after that. Um, Mike was already commissioner when I when I joined on tour, and he was in the process of kind of, getting it back up and running and the, and the job that he's done since he's been there is, is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, and I don't think that you could, I I really don't think that you could find anyone on the tour that would have a bad word to say about him. to be honest. I mean, he, he really is, um, he's approachable. Um, if you've got a question, he's, he's not above answering it. You can email him anytime you want and he'll get back to you, whether you're a caddy player, you know, whatever. Um, and I'd, I'd say his results really speak for themselves. I mean you look at the state that the tour's in now compared to where it was, it's it's night and day.
1: Yeah, I think the tour is upwards of if I, I I'm someone's gonna correct me on Instagram. I know this, they'll send me a DM, but I, I think it's at, it's at 42, 40 or 42 tournaments now or something approaching that, which, you know, is an increase of of almost fifteen tournaments. That's you know, basically three and a half months of added tournaments um, in as little as as about a decade and a half I mean that's that's like adding a tournament per year and like you said they're going to bigger markets the purses are going up um what's what's your experience been like in terms of kind of the the added weeks the added travel is that something that that you guys look forward to or do you kind of miss the days where you you had you know a week off a month
0: um, great question. Um, obviously, weeks off are nice, but they're also weeks that you don't get paid. So you have to kind of balance that. Um, I would say, um, you know what, having to, having to actually schedule is is not a big problem. That's, that's a good problem to have. If, you, if you're having to pick tournaments that you want to skip, that's a good problem, rather than having to play everything because there's not enough to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I'm sure back in the day, it was just like, okay, if I'm in 25 tournaments, I'm playing 25 tournaments. And now you can kind of say, well, I'll play 25, but I'll spread them out over the course of the year.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, you know, in the light of current events, it, it wasn't, you know, it's not going to happen now. But if you look to the middle of this year with players in the, the Olympics, the international crown, there's five majors, you know, there's a lot of international travel there. They really had to kind of move things around to try and get a schedule that was right and meant that they peaked at the right times.
1: Yeah, no, it's very, very true. Um, With that being said, what tournament out there treats the caddies the best? Because I know there's a big discrepancy between tournaments. Some, some will have, you know, like bag lunches, for caddies and and that's all well and good. But then there's some that, that, you know, caddy dining is, is right in next to player dining. So in, in your experience, what tournament is your favorite to be at in terms of the way they accommodate caddies?
0: Um, you know, it's actually become a little bit of a thing now. It seems to be that people are kind of stepping it up. Um, and, and it keeps getting better every year. I would say the best one that I've been at so far, um, last year's Canadian open, knocked it out of the park um in as far as they had great food for us they had they had a barber on site they had two physios on site this is just for the caddies um they had you know fridges stocked with with whatever you wanted um i would say that they they kill it um toledo every year does a really good job um they they bring in a different restaurant to cater for the caddies every day and that's actually one where you'll see the players come to the caddies to get food that, that doesn't happen very much <laughs> yeah you see that you see the caddies chasing the players out there that, that that doesn't happen a lot but um yeah they do a really good job and kpmg um as a major they 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 really they've elevated um the bar really um and i think that everybody every major as good as they are is going to have to come up to their level they've really jumped in and and set a new new high bar
1: on the LPGA tour, that seems to me as of late, within the last two, three years, that that is becoming more of the rule than the exception. Uh, you mentioned it before, and I thought that was a great way of putting it: is the fact that all these tournaments are seeing what other tournaments are doing. You know, so how can we top them? Where where does our niche lay?
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure, and and that's uh, and that's a, I mean, it's a great thing for caddies, you know. <laughs> Speaking purely selfishly. Um, you know, you just love to see, you love to see support coming in for the tour, whether it be money going in the purses for the girls, obviously that's first and foremost, what you want to see. Um, but like businesses coming in to support it and showing interest, that's really cool. And you know, if everything gets a little bit better, all of a sudden you've got an amazing product.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, what, what's the hardest walk out there? Is it, uh, is it still Evian or, or (laughs) is, is there something else that's surpassed that?
0: Now Evian's pretty rough (laughs) Yeah, the first two holes For anyone that doesn't know Evian um, The first hole is a fairly flat hole And then your second hole I think it plays It's a par 3 150 something yards And it plays down 35 yards And you just go straight down the hill Um, And then from number 3 to Number 12, you just snake your way Up this mountain, basically
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it It literally is a mountain
0: Yeah yeah that's a that's a rough one um there's uh there's uh, and, and evian sometimes you can usually factor in the weather as well they've been kind of unlucky in the last few years where we've been doing that in sideways rain as well which doesn't make it much fun um but that's a great tournament they do they do a fantastic job um and uh i think they were they were one of the first to kind of move around to accommodate what's going on right now they they really do a great job and and they were one of the first to start up in the purses in the majors um i would say this the second one that's tough uh aviara kia classic that's got two two big climbs in it that that aren't much fun at all um you go up the par five fifth and then as you've got off the green, you then just go straight uphill again to the sixth. You, you don't want to be the first one trying to give out a number on that tee because you're trying to <laughs> suck in a couple of big ones, and get, your, get your heart rate down a bit.
1: <laughs> What's the worst round you've been through in, in terms of caddying, whether it be weather-wise or, uh, you know, or anything that just it sticks out in your mind as, as I never want to relive a round like that again?
0: <laughs> Wor- worst round I've been through? Um... I don't know. I, I, I definitely wouldn't tell any tales in as far as having a bad day. Um, but um, the the British Open at Royal Liverpool sticks out in my mind in 2000. And, uh, I think it was 13. Um, the weather was so bad um, on the either Thursday or Friday that they called it off. It was like 55 mile an hour sustained winds. I mean, it was ripping down grandstands. It was it was awful. Um, so we took the day off then. But then that meant that we had to play 36 on the Sunday. And it just rained it was it, I've never seen anything like it um and we had to do two rounds in it and At the end, I swear we were we were in the last couple of fairways I was working for Davey at the time, and we're holding the umbrella up, and we're still getting wet and I'm like, "What is going on and it was raining so hard that it's bouncing off the floor and hitting us <laughs> i've never been in, I've never <laughs> been in weather like that. <laughs>
1: That's one of those rounds where you just cannot wait to get off the 18th and just run home.
0: Yeah, I had a, I mean, I was with Jane at the time, we were driving home, and I was coming home from Liverpool, so I had a four-hour drive on the end of that as well, so that was not much fun.
1: <laughs> well, you, you broke the rule, you name-checked her. <sighs>
0: All right, yeah, we'll, she, give, she we'll snuck, give her one.
1: She snuck in there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we'll give her one name-check, but I promise I won't do it again
1: hey I thought it was I thought it was interesting. you're from the u k and you called it the British Open
0: yeah um I call it like the women's they call it the British open You'd yeah never, like, you wouldn't catch me calling the open championship the british open I, I I don't think I'll be let back in the country.
1: Is that just because you're specifically referencing the LPGA, women's British Open?
0: yeah, for sure
1: do you do you also call it the Rico women's British Open?
0: Well, not anymore because it's changed. It's AIG now. They've changed the sponsorship.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't get around that because for my entire life, it literally has been like the Rico British Women's Open.
0: Yeah, a lot of, you know what? A lot of the guys on tour laugh about that, um, uh, especially, especially with the ANA championship. It, that it's funny that like you can tell when somebody came on tour by what they call it. Like I always call it Nabisco. Um,
1: right. You know, exactly. Exactly.
0: People before that, they always call it Dinosaur. Like it's, it's funny how that works.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's it, again, it's money that drives it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure.
1: Um, who, who are you closest to out there? Caddy wise or, or player wise who are kind of your, your really good go-to friends out on tour?
0: Um oh. Player-wise, there's a there's a bunch of them. Obviously, the the two Chitagon sisters, they're great fun. I would have said like uh, like Tiff, Joe, um, Marina, Alex, Annie, Park. You know those those kind of players. Um, James' friends. Um, Caddy-wise, um, there's a bunch of bunch of guys from Augusta and, and Georgia that we that we hang out with. Generally get a house with. Like John Colleen has been on tour for oh, I don't want to undersell him. I think thirty-five years and probably more worked for. You name it. Um, uh, a lot of the guys from Augusta, Benji Thompson works for Lexi. Um, D-Red, Derek Red works for Jane. Um, you know, Drew Ernst who works for Austin. Um, actually now, Benji's brother, Justin, who works for Jess Corda. So there's, there's a good bunch that we kind of usually get a house together with. And, and Jack Jack Forgan works for Doreen Pillar. So yeah, that's that's usually the go-to crowd.
1: You mentioned uh, guys from Augusta. Have Have you ever played... At, at the National down there or no?
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I, haven't, I haven't had the chance to, uh, to sell one of my vital organs to get out there yet. I mean, obviously it's on the, it's on the wish list, but, um, but yeah, uh, uh, I'd, I'd love to do it.
1: Yeah, I'm just always curious. Yesterday we did a, a pod on the Fall Masters, and I kind of did a deep dive. I did a historical insight into Augusta and how it started, and we came around to um, what price point would you pay in order to play it. And so I I decided that, you know, 5000 would probably be my max with the caveat that if they told me 5500, yeah, I'd probably throw them that as well. Um do you, you I'm just curious. You get a price point for for playing Augusta National?
0: yeah um you know what? I could probably tell you a number knowing that I'm not going to get the offer um and it would probably go up rapidly once I did have the offer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm one of the firm believers of like, you know what? I'm never going to pay X amount to play a golf course, but that might be the one that, that breaks the bank. I, yeah. I mean, I, you know, five thousand. Yeah, probably because you know how hard it is to get out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, like to me, a bunch of people responded to us on on Instagram and they were like, I wouldn't pay more than 500 for it. I would take the money and go play, you know, 10 rounds abandoned and, and my whole thing is like that's fine but those courses are always going to be there for you you know if, if you ever got the chance to go to augusta like that's a one and done thing you you're never probably going to get the invite back
0: no i mean you're very, obviously you're very lucky if you get the invite and if you get the invite back then you're you're in the you know the 0.1 but uh yeah no i mean obviously like you said abandoned uh, i've heard incredible things about abandoned but i can't pay to play abandoned I can't do that at Augusta.
1: Would you pay to caddy for someone at Augusta?
0: (laughs) Um, Oh, man, I don't know. Um, Probably not for just a regular, (laughs) you know, but yeah, if they were in that, if they're in that Masters tournament that they put together, yeah, I think I probably would.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Hey, so if there's any pros listening out there and you can't find a caddy i yeah. got for you for the week
0: yeah dan's got my number yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: No- november 9th through the 15th if you need someone I-, I i think someone might be open i think they might be available
0: yeah provided provided i'm not working for my regular right. boss <laughs> right, <that> right. <laughs> um, i'll all
1: right. that in there yeah <laughs> fair enough that's a good one that's a good one um two more questions before i get you out of here Pete. because i appreciate your time greatly um it's it's towards the end of the pod you know i'll i'll give her her just due uh, your wife plays on the LPGA tour she is a a lovely human being. she did not pay me to say that um, would you ever consider caddying for the one jane Park
0: um yeah, we've we've actually done it before um i don't think probably not on a full time basis and she'd probably tell you the same thing but um I've caddied for her for for a few U.S. Open qualifiers. Um, I've done a couple of tour events. I think I've done two tour events for her when she's been in a pinch. Um, so we, we've done it, but I don't, definitely don't think we would make it a full time thing. What's uh
1: w- What's that like? What's What's the difference between that and you know working with you know your regular boss working with Aria?
0: Um, stressful. Very stressful. <laughs> um, not not in as far as the way that she treats a caddy or anything like that but just you're so intent on them playing well and that's not to say that that doesn't happen with your regular boss but like it's just amplified
1: does that so. stuff come home as well like it, like if it's a bad round let's say you know can you guys like flip the switch and all of a sudden like it's cool once we leave the course
0: Oh yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, no, that's uh, that that would be fine. I mean, I I don't know if you did it on a on a regular basis how how that would work. I mean, I I so much credit to the husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends that that work together out there. I mean, they yeah, I don't know how they do it full time, but but there's a few that do.
1: I know at home during this quarantine, during the shutdown, um, you've been keeping yourself busy, little things here and there, doing puzzles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how much help are you getting on completing those puzzles?
0: <laughs> that, was, uh, that, that was put together after I'd pressure washed everything and done. I'm, I'm really trying to like, you know, budget what I'm doing so that I don't blow through it all in two weeks and then just sit here watching Netflix and getting fat. but yeah, there's been a couple of people come through that have just kind of put a piece in here and there.
1: It's, uh, it's hilarious that you say that because I've got, you know, like most people, you know, I've been home now for three and a half weeks. I mean, it's bordering on a month at the end of this week. And, you know, I've done so much already. And my wife is like, you know, what are you going to do in two weeks from now? So I don't I, I don't know. I'll find something. You know, my my goal is to get everything done so I don't have to do anything this summer but play golf.
0: Ooh, yeah, you know what? That's a that's a good, that's a good idea. I mean, that's a that's a great goal to have. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to be a Debbie downer. I don't know how much summer we're going to get playing golf. I'd like to think it's going to be a bit but um but yeah, I mean, I'm in a pretty good spot here as far as what I've got done, I think. I mean, I I don't think I'd feel guilty playing golf now, but then I I wouldn't feel too guilty playing golf at any point anyway.
1: (laughs) Well, and that, and that's the best thing The the guilt-free golf is, is always the best. Um, how much, how much are you playing individually now? How much do you get to go out a year and actually just play?
0: Oof. uh, I I do it in chunks, basically. Uh, weeks off, I'll, I'll play, um, a few times a week. Um, I'll, I'll go to the course with Jane if she's practicing, um, and do my thing. Um, there's a group of guys out here that I'll go play with a couple of times a week. Um, But um, I like to get out there and play Um, from a caddying point of view. I like to get out there um, only to remind yourself of how tough it is as a game because you see so much good golf that sometimes you forget that it's really hard.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think that makes perfect sense because you can get kind of wrapped up caddying for great players and seeing great shot after great shot after great shot and just think like, Wow, this is so simple. And then you have kind of that maybe adversity in a round and you don't know how to deal with it. But if you're out there dealing with it yourself, I think it translates well to the caddy game.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I think so. I think so. I think it helps to helps to remind yourself how hard it is at times.
1: I want to uh I want to get you out of here on this. I would love to know what your funniest or best caddy story is and and i'll give you this it doesn't have to be about you you obviously don't have to name names but what what can you what can you give the listeners as in terms of you know life on the lpga tour
0: Mm. funniest caddy story um trying to think of one i've i've got a few but i'm trying to think of one that i can give you that won't get me <laughs> won't get me in trouble. <laughs> or, or that won't get you censored.
1: Um it won't I don't mind from... getting censored. And any publicity <laughs> is good publicity. That's fine. <laughs>
0: um <clears throat> it won't be from the LPGA. It'll be from the ladies' tour in Europe. Um there was uh there was a player and her at time boyfriend who will remain nameless. Um and we were in France. Um I wasn't I wasn't in the group, but I saw the aftermath of it all happening. Um, and in Europe, you, you're allowed to use um, like pull carts, push carts, whatever you want. So um, they were actually using a, a like a motorized push cart. Um, so he was he was there with his with his partner, and and she's you know they get to the ball, they're looking at the shot, and he's going through the numbers in his book, and he's telling her every number that she needs to know. And all of a sudden she looks up and screams at him and the bag and push cart and everything is heading towards a pond at full (laughs) steam. He's forgotten to turn the thing off (laughs) and they are running after it. And luckily there was a, there was a photographer there to kind of capture the whole thing. He dives for it, misses it, boom, straight in the pond, whole thing. Um, And this is ninth hole of the day. So they have to fish all the clubs out and she's, you know, in the middle of a round, they got the, <laughs> turning the bag upside down, getting all the water out, and pulling the the pool carts now dead. Uh, and they find a bag out of the pro shop, and they pop to the tenth tee with a bunch of wet clubs and a very angry player.
1: <laughs> oh, that is amazing!
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah. Seeing the pictures of that, he, uh, he he got some heat for that for a little while. That, <laughs> that was quite funny.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one to live down, right there.
0: Yeah yeah especially and especially
1: well i was gonna say especially when there's photographic evidence
0: yeah a that and b it's your partner you have to go <laughs> yeah. home with that at night you can't just leave that at the golf course that's uh, that's a rough one
1: fantastic <laughs> i love that i love that um pete do you do you have any uh do you, do you want to share any social media stuff where people can kind of follow you all
0: um you know what i'm not really big with social media yeah i know uh,
1: i figured i'd just ask anyway
0: yeah i know i know i I probably should be a bit more but um uh, um as you can tell by how long it took us to get hooked up on this phone call this morning i'm not exactly (laughs) that technologically minded
1: Well, that's all good. Hey, my man, I cannot appreciate your time. I know the listeners love hearing the caddy stories, and and this is a great one from the LPGA tour. But it's it's kind of nice to see that that the same thing exists, kind of you know, across all tours.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think you know, it's, it's uh, I think everybody everybody in the LPGA is kind of like a big you know traveling family, and I'm sure it's the same across all all other tours as well
1: so if you see pete out there whenever this you know the season starts back up again you know give him a hi give him a uh, a shout out uh you know if you see his wife you know you do the same it is what it is you can you don't have to but uh make sure you say hi to pete
0: yeah yeah thanks for having me on dan you do a, you do a great job with this podcast it's, it's well, a great listen
1: i appreciate some you know some would say i just sit here and ramble and bs and and i, I like to think that's what it is
0: that's what a podcast is right <laughs>
1: That's about it, my man. I like hearing the sound of my own voice. <laughs> All right, Pete, listen, enjoy it. Have a good one. Yeah, good talking to you. All right, people, so either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hey, what's good, podcast patrons? Dan from Leave the Pin here. Listen, if you want to look good on the course, if you want to hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it, Gas House Golf is the company you need to get on board with ASAP. Gas House Golf Newest apparel company out there, making you look fantastic. Look, the shirts are fire, the hats are fire. Everything they do, everything they touch looks great on the course. You want to stand out? You want people to notice you? want people to notice your game? Get to GasHouseGolf.com. And right now, not only are they offering free shipping, they're also giving you an amazing 15% off code. Use our code, leave the pin, get 15% off all your purchases at GasHouseGolf.com. All gas, no break, gas House golf.